This is Sunday Morning Worship Service, April the 3rd, 2022, with missionaries Brianna and Devin Harden. We'll start off with the praise team singing God So Loved. Rejoice for he has made me 
there is no more night No sickness, no suffering There is no more strife Live by the mighty corporate from the city of Galilee I have a feeling that my mates will overlook Crystal Sea And I'll talk a while with one who labors life up for you and me. That's for walls and gates of pearl, things that are in store. I wake up in that promised land to live and die no more. I can't wait, my brother. We're almost home. Oh, I can't wait, my sister. We're almost Singing the song for the redeemed The crowd's getting so excited It will be more than a dream Well, you might find me running Never lose three streets of gold Brand new body
I, I think the rest of you think like I do sometimes when we hear all this uh, piano playing and music. Uh, I think about how gifted and how blessed we were for all the years that we had Thomas playing and thank God for the wisdom of the sound folks to record all those years and so we have the music today until we find another piano player but I think, uh, well, we'll never replace Thomas. We, there's no way to replace him. But I think about it, every time I hear his music, what a wonderful, wonderful, not only him, but the, the band we had at the time. And I thank God for all that. Uh, before we get, turn things over to missionaries, we do have a special song by a special person. Rebecca's going to sing for us this morning.
Thank you, Sister Beck. So, uh, Breanne and uh, Devin are here today to talk to us about what's on their heart. And they touched my heart and Jenny's heart, our missions director, and several other people that were at the missions meal, in that uh, they have a passion, and I believe it's a passion that only God can give them to go to Japan and do God's work. There's areas that they'll talk to you about. I don't want to steal their thunder, but that they need God there. As we need God everywhere. And uh, we want to bless them. Uh, just to let you know, uh, as a church body, we've always sponsored. In fact, right now we're sponsoring eight different missionaries. Right, Jenny? And only a few years ago, we were sponsoring like 11 or 12. So what I want to tell you is there's an opportunity to grow back to 11 or 12 because they retired or moved on to other things in their ministry. So we're not sponsoring three that we were sponsoring every month. And uh, I, I would not like for us to try to uh, pray and, 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 and also bless uh, Devin and Brianna and sponsor them. Uh, uh, and, you know, that's uh, something that... We've always been a mission-minded church. Even Bartlett has talked about how consistently we've been every month in uh, sponsoring mission. And I believe that's why God blesses Pine Level. I believe that he's blessed us in many ways. So I'll give you two chances, uh, uh, and, and, and I'll let them tell you also about maybe other opportunities to bless them. But this morning, if you would, we are not passing around the plate but if you feel on your heart to bless our ministry in the um, offering box, just uh, put a, a check or an envelope and write missions on it, and I'll make sure they get it. I'll do that today for today's uh, event. And then if you would like to sponsor them ongoing, I'll let them talk to you about that, okay? It is a privilege. Thank you for being here. The pulpit is yours. Blessing to be here, and we're just so grateful for the opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you and also share our heart for Japan. So as you mentioned, we're going to Japan. That's my beautiful wife, Brianne. She's going to come up at the end and, and share a little bit of her testimony. Um, but I want to just share really, really quickly a, l a little snippet about us, and then I'm going to get into the word, and then I'm going to share about Japan at, at the end. So we're, we're actually from a West Coast church in, in, a, in a suburb of Phoenix called Surprise, Arizona. It's actually a church plant from this conference. So uh, Wayne Edmondson from Robertsonville Church up, in, uh, up near Rocky Mount uh, had the calling. I don't know. It definitely is a calling from God, but had a calling from God to go out to the middle of Arizona and, and plant a church, and that's where we met him. And he said, if you guys are going to get back to Japan, it's going to be through North Carolina because they love missions and they have a heart for the Lord. And so here we are. We have the pr privilege of standing before you today, and we're so grateful for that and for how God moves in interesting ways. But yeah, so I served in Japan for three years. I met my wife there, and I really want to share with you what it means to, to have a, a testimony that we all have. And I want, to, I want to do that by sharing with you from the Word of God and sharing from the testimony of John. So if you have your Bibles, please open to 1 John. I'm going to give kind of like a promo for 1 John. I think it's a, an excellent epistle, and I think we kind of overlook it a lot. Um, but I think it's something that you should really add to your, to your devotion list, whether it's weekly, monthly. Go through 1 John, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why. 
and hopefully, hopefully the Lord's going to speak to your heart. But why, why John? We, we look at other, other characters in the New Testament. We think of Paul. You know, we can easily list off the, the great things that Paul has done, being the evangelist that he was. He pretty much changed the scape of Christianity for all of us. He's the reason we're able to sit in church today, because of his evangelistic works. We think of Luke as the historian. We, we have from him his, his gospel account from collecting all the, all the histories and, and testimonies, and then also the works of the early church in Acts. Uh, we, have, we have Peter as the original father of the church. We, we think of him as the original church father. And then, of course, we have a character like Thomas, who unfortunately gets the terrible bad rap of being the doubter. But we forget that he was a man of faith, and, you know, Jesus changed his heart, and I believe he did great works for the kingdom. But I think John really has a great testimony, and we kind of overlook the fact that he has such a great testimony. He kind of goes under the radar a little bit, but he was actually there for everything. We know that John was part of that inner circle, that, that close-knit group with Jesus, with, uh, with Peter and, and his brother. Um, so we know that he, he was there. He was there for the transfiguration. He was there at the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. He, he saw closely, worked closely with Jesus. So he, he had that intimate witness, a little more than the other disciples, just walking alongside Jesus to the point where he called himself the beloved of Christ, the one who Christ loved. When I was a younger, more naive Christian, I thought, well, that's a little arrogant. <laughs> I'm the one that Christ loved. But later on realized that it wasn't just something that he called himself. It was something that we all should realize that that's who we are. We're the one that Christ loved. And John knew that. John realized that. That's why he called himself that. It wasn't out of arrogance. It wasn't out of, oh, I'm better than all the other disciples. It was out of revelation, knowing that Christ loves all of us. So that's just, that's just part of his testimony. It goes greater and deeper we know that John was the only recorded disciple to be at the foot of the cross. So John witnessed the physical death of Jesus. And in a piece of scripture that I, I find, even though it's like a very significant scripture, John is kind of funny with how he talks about it, about the empty tomb. If, if you know from the other accounts, they don't really talk about who was there other than one account saying that, other than the women that, Peter was there at the empty tomb, and he actually went inside. John, after the fact, when he wrote his gospel account in, in John, he, he makes it known that he was also there. But more funnily, he makes it known that he was there first. If you ever had any doubt of, of the authenticity of Scripture, I think this, this one little account of John really shows the true account, the true testimony, the true witness. Because what other man on earth what other human on earth would write that in Scripture unless it was the reality of our own humanness and our own witness to make a point that I was there first? <laughs> he makes it known twice. He said, the beloved of Christ ran with, ran with Peter and made it to the tomb first but did not go in. And later he says, though I was there first, I did not go in but saw that the tomb was empty. If that doesn't tell you that that's a real account, I don't, I don't know how else to convince you. But he was there at the empty tomb. He did witness the empty tomb. So after witnessing the death of Christ, he saw the empty tomb, knowing that he wasn't there. And more importantly, he witnessed the resurrected Christ. 
in the flesh. He ate with him, had a meal with him, heard from him, was taught with him in those 40 days before Christ arose to heaven. And then we know that John witnessed the ascension after giving, uh, the giving of the Great Commission. And we also know that John bore witness to the revelation. So John was there from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he saw the end. What better witness to call us to what it means to follow God than John? And that's exactly what he does in his epistle. So his first gospel account is really, it's, a, it's an account of Christian theology. It teaches us, teaches us about the theology of who Jesus was, his divinity. And his epistle teaches us about Christian ethics, how, what it means to be a Christian, what it looks like to have a right relationship with God. And it's unfortunate that many scholars through time kind of wrote off First John. They kind of threw it as, oh, it's the writings of an old man. It's repetitive. It's it just kind of, you know, there's some, some goodness to it, but it's not as deep. It's not as rich as, say, Romans or, or Hebrews. But the reality is it cuts right to the bone. And we're, we're gonna, I'm going to point out where, where it does that and really show that the heart of John in writing this epistle comes from his witness, comes from him knowing Jesus intimately and knowing the end and knowing the importance of what it means to have a relationship with God and how that affects our testimony. So it isn't just the ramblings of an old man. It, it, it actually reads like a sermon. And the reason it's repetitive is because we need to hear it over and over again of where we're lacking, where, where we've been separated from God, where we've turned away from God. It's, it's not just words on a page. It's the urgency of a man who knows the truth whose witness of the risen Christ in his glory is calling us to turn away from this world and to turn to Jesus. There's power in this. And I want to share some of that with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be starting in, in chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to start us off with, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So right off the, right off the start, he's, he's telling us why he's writing us this letter. It's because he wants us to know the Lord. And what better person? He's giving the authority of his witness that he's seen with his hands, he, he's felt with his hands, seen with his eyes, he walked with Jesus, he saw him die, he saw the empty tomb, he saw him resurrected, he saw him ascend to heaven, and then he was revealed how it all ends. And his heart is calling to us that we may know the same joy that he knows, that we may know what it's like to be the beloved of Christ, that we know, may know what it's like to lay our head against Jesus and hear his words, hear his words into be spoken into us. That's what he's calling us to because that's what he walked. That's the life that he lived.
But there's a cost to that. And it's a cost I, I think we, we forget about daily, and, and that's what we need to do to be in right relationship with God. He, he isn't writing this to non-believers. He, he's writing this to a church that is in a place of idolatry. He's writing this to Christians that are, are falling away to heresy and blasphemy and false doctrines. Because at the time he's writing this letter, he, he's writing to, in the church of Ephesus. We know originally a church planted by Paul, but la later on we know that John is now overseeing it. And he, he's in a city that's overrun by idolatry. He's seeing the, the young church be torn apart already by false doctrines, false teachers. He sees these antichrists coming up and tearing away people from the faith, and he's calling us, hey, you need to know the Lord. You need to have right relationship with him. You need to turn away from these lies because the God, is the God of creation is calling us to right relationship with him. And what does that look like? Well, he continues on, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. He's cutting right to it. He's not holding back his punches. He's cutting right to the meat of it. We walk this life thinking, and I'm going to be real with you, church, and don't be throwing rocks at me just yet. But we walk through this life thinking we're doing it right, thinking that we're in right relationship with God. But the reality is we're not. We're not in right relationship with God. We're walking in darkness. I'm getting a lot of, a lot of looks. <laughs> no, but that, that's the reality is that we think we're on this right path. But think of every little thing that's pulling you away from God. When God is calling you to be fully surrendered to him, what in your life have you put first? Is it your phone? Is it social media? Is it your work? Is it even your kids? That, that's a hard one to hear. We have so much idolatry in this busy age you know, oftentimes we look, we read through the Old Testament, and we look, and we're like, oh, those dang Israelites, why couldn't they figure it out? Why couldn't they just follow the Lord? At the same time that we're running through the darkness away from the light that God has called us to. At the same time that we allow busyness to keep us from sharing the truth with our neighbors. At the same time that we allow social media to take up more of our time than the written word of God. We're all guilty in some way. We always put something before God. And so John is pleading with us. Hey, I know. 
I know you're not doing it right, but I'm urging you, seek the Lord. And he has a solution. He's going to, so many times as you, as you read through First John, you're going to see these stark contrasts, but his solution every time is we have Jesus. Seek Jesus. He's what makes us right with God because we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to fall short. We're going to break that relationship with God. But if we cling back to Jesus, we can be back in right relationship with him. That's what he's urging us. And he's using his authority, his testimony to share with us what it means to have right relationship with God. And as you look through First John, you're going to see he's going to show what it, what it means to have that relationship. And it means understanding who God is. So we need to know who God is to be able to have right relationship with him. Well, how many of us know things about God? We can, we can all list off important things about God, his character, who he is. We know he's all-powerful. We know he's all-knowing. We know he's ever-present, timeless, eternal. We have the easy one, God is love. Everyone likes to say that one. But the thing is, we can't just take bits and pieces of God. We need to understand who God is in all his character. Because that's what the deceivers in the early times did. That's what false prophets in today's time do. They try to divorce aspects of God from his full character to sell you lies. And that's a big one. God is love. We see so often that people will use God is love to justify anything. Oh, God is love, so he loves me no matter the choices I make, no matter how I live my life. God is love, it's okay. You can't divorce the goodness of God, the love of God, from the justice of God, from the holiness of God, from the righteousness of God. Yes, God is love, but God is also just. God is also holy. We need to understand the full character of God because the most important characteristic of God is his immutability, his unchangingness. That's what makes him God, that he is unchanging. So in all his power, in all his wisdom and goodness, and his justice, his mercy, his love, his righteousness, they're all together and unchanging, and that's what makes him a great and amazing God. That's what makes him perfect. And John's pointing that out to us throughout his epistle, that we worship this perfect God, yet we try to tear down the character of God, to pull away from who God truly is, and justify it with, oh, well, God's mercy. But God's mercy cannot be divorced from his justice. Oh, God's love. But God's love cannot be divorced from his righteousness. We need to realize our position. And it's hard because we've been sold lies our whole life. The whole, from the moment you're born to the, to the moment you die, the world is telling you, lies. And how, how many lies do we just allow to just become normal? Because it's just all around us. 
We no longer become a church that stands apart, that stands up for what is right, what is good, what is just, what is holy, what truly is love as God defines it, not as we define it. We become a church that looks like everyone else. Why would I seek after your God if all I see from you is everything that I'm already doing wrong? We all have a testimony to give, whether we realize it or not. And that's what John is sharing with us from his testimony, from his knowing of Jesus. I'm sure everyone in this room has had a real encounter with Jesus or else you wouldn't be sitting here. You've had a real encounter with Jesus that's changed your life. Let that be, def be the defining factor of who you are, is how Jesus changed your life, what Jesus is making you to become. Because if you had a real encounter with Jesus and you turned away from it and your life looks exactly the same, do you really have a relationship with the Lord? I, I know I'm, I'm throwing rocks out there, but really, let's, let's examine our hearts. Is Jesus, did I really allow Jesus to change my heart? Am I really seeking after the Lord? Or am I walking in darkness? It's so hard to know that you're in the, in the dark because it's dark. It, it, it seems like a, a silly statement, but it's, it's hard to see when it's dark. You really need to examine your heart. You really need to allow the Holy Spirit to dissect at your heart because we've compartmentalized. We're, we're professional compartment makers. We have our God box. We have our work box. We have our home box, our hobby box. But what does the Bible call us to? To love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not to love the Lord with our little God box. John urges us constantly because he has seen the end. He knows what destruction looks like. He's seen what happens to the lost. But he's also seen what it means to be in glory. He knows what it looks like to stand at the foot of throne to be loved. And that's what he wants for each and every one here and everyone out there. He wants us to know the same love that he experienced. So in the end of John's life, that's what he was preaching. Get right with the Lord. Seek God. Because the whole world's looking And the testimony that we're sharing with the world is that we're a broken church. We're just like the rest of the world. And they want nothing to do with it. But why should we forsake the world who know the truth? Why should we forsake those who don't know Jesus yet? Because we couldn't get right with the Lord because we couldn't utilize our testimony, because we couldn't see the goodness of God in his righteousness and in his calling to us 
And John knows that calling. He was there. It's to go to all the world and share Jesus. That's the, that's the classic missionary line. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's the law that says I'm required to say that. You know, go to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pretty sure that's like stamped on my back somewhere. And we allow it, we're numb to it. We forget that that wasn't just something that Jesus said and then was like, I'm out. That's what Jesus commanded of us to do. That was the mission he gave us. We call it missions because it is our mission from the Lord. Not just mine, not just me and my wife's to go to Japan. It's our mission as the church to make sure that the lost are saved. God had a plan for how it was all done. He, he decided that it was going to be through his church. Because we know God could come down at any moment and reveal himself to everyone. But he decided to use his church, but yet the church is sitting on its hands. Because we're putting things before God. We're allowing idolatry into our hearts. Because idolatry is just anything you put before God. It's not, it's not just furnaces and altars and little figurines of, of false gods. It's anything we put before God. And we're all guilty of it. So I'm appealing to you this morning to utilize your testimony. You, have a, you all have a great testimony, even if you don't think you do. God has witnessed to your heart and changed you. God has placed a special calling in your life. And if you don't know what that is yet, step outside your front porch, Look to your left, look to your right. Whoever's right there, that's your calling. The second you step into work, look at everyone around you. That's your calling. You don't have to be called to, to Asia or to Africa. You, you are called wherever your two feet are standing. That's your calling. That's your purpose. And take pride in that purpose because God is going to do a wonderful work in you when you realize that he's moving when you allow him to move, when you get out of the way. That's what we're called to. That's what John is appealing to us for, to use our testimony, to reach the lost, to get right with the Lord, to really experience that full joy, as he says. God has a lot of love to give. But we got our blinders on. So I share this all because me and my wife, we, ha we have a testimony. We have a testimony that, that has brought us to Japan and has given us a heart for Japan. So I, wa I want to share with you that heart for Japan this morning. So Japan is, about, is a country of about 130 million people. But it is less than half a percent Christian less than half a percent, which means that essentially 130 million people in Japan have never heard the gospel. It's the second largest unreached people group in the world. Well, what's an unreached people group? That's just any, any group or culture or, or country that is less than 2% Christian. So Japan, 
You're right up there. 130 million people don't know the Lord. And, and the, tra- the tragedy of that is that not very many people are going. The reality is missions is, you know, we, we live in the, in the greatest era of mankind, as they would say, the wealthiest, yet missions is lacking. It's, it's actually harder to become a missionary now than it ever was. There are about 340,000 missionaries in all the world. Unfortunately, 92,000 of them are Catholic and 67,000 of them are Mormon. So that lowers that number by a lot of how many are actually truly preaching the gospel. Only about 2.7% of all missionaries in the world go to unreached people groups. So of that already not the greatest number in the world, a tiny fraction of that are actually going to the unreached, even fewer to Japan. The reality is it's actually more like, you're more likely to get in a plane crash than to be called to missions to the unreached for some reason. That should, that should disturb you. We as a church who have been called to fulfill the Great Commission should not be more likely to get in a plane crash than to share the message of Jesus Christ with the lost. The reality of Japan is that the majority of churches there are what few there are are concentrated in the cities of Tokyo and Osaka. And actually most of the churches are actually foreign churches because they're around the military bases in Okinawa or, or cater to just foreign audiences and aren't actually reaching the Japanese. So we're, our heart is to go to Hiroshima, which is a very rural city. It's a city of about 1.2 million people. And as you know, it's one of two cities that experienced the devastation of a nuclear blast. It is now a thriving city, but you just heard the numbers. They don't know Jesus. In fact, the rural areas of all Japan are completely unchurched. It'd be like if the only church in all of North Carolina was in Raleigh, and it was a tiny church, what, were your, what would your chances be of hearing the gospel? That's the reality of Japan, is the gospel isn't there. And that's why we're pleading with the church to be praying for Japan, to be sending missionaries to Japan. Because like I said, we have a testimony to share And it'd be a shame if we forsake anyone from hearing the name of Jesus Christ. Because Hiroshima, they claimed to be a city of peace. They rose from the ashes of of being a city completely destroyed, and, and they have this calling of peace. But how can they be a city of peace without knowing the Prince of Peace? That's what we have to offer them. We we offer true peace. We offer the truth. And so we're, we're calling you, church. Be praying for Japan. Be thinking of Japan. Be thinking of the lost. Have compassion for the lost. Let your heart break for the lost as Jesus wept for those who were lost. May also you weep for Japan. But be joyful because we worship a great and powerful God and the Holy Spirit is moving in Japan. And that's where my testimony comes in. I actually first went to Japan on just a short-term missions trip Uh, when I was still in college, 
back in 2012, that feels like forever ago. I can't believe that's 10 years ago now. Let that be scary. 2012 was 10 years ago. <laughs> but I actually went on a short-term trip there, not with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to do missions in Japan. It was more like, cool, I'm going to Japan. God was working in my life. I was working, uh, going to school, teaching at the university, doing research. My whole life was ahead of me. I was like, I've got it figured out. I've always wanted to be a scientist. I'm nailing it. God, you're so good. You've let me do everything I've wanted in life. It's going to be great. So I'm in Japan, <laughs> and I'm meeting with a student. The student messages me, and he says in very broken English that he really wants to meet me because he wants to improve his English. And I'm like, God, you're setting me up for a home run. This is going to be great. I'm going to share the gospel with this kid. I'm going to go back to America and live my life. Everything's going to be great. I did it. I win. <laughs> You're going to see God humbles me very, very well. <laughs> so I meet with this kid. He speaks no English. Like, it is abysmal, awful, can't, total failure. I'm like, God, what happened? You were supposed to be there. This was supposed to work. This was supposed to be the home run. It wasn't. He messages me. He tells me, hey, I'm really sorry. You can tell it was put through the translator, so it looks kind of weird. I have a friend. He speaks great English. I want to meet with you again. I want to hear what you have to say. And I'm like, God, you came through. It's going to be great. We got it this time. It's the home run. This is going to be it. So I meet with them at a nice little ramen shop. I'm so excited. This is going to be it. This kid is so shy. He doesn't speak a word. He doesn't even say his name. The whole thing was a disaster. I'm sitting there, absolute failure. I'm sitting on the train ride home. I'm like, God, what happened? And that's where God really moved. And I felt in that moment, I looked around, and I saw a people who didn't know the Lord. I'm sitting on a crowded Tokyo train, looking around. It's the late train. It's the last train. I'm seeing people coming home from having worked since the sun came up, and it's midnight now. And I see a broken people who don't know the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm probably the only Christian that has ever sat next to these people. And I can't say a word to them. I don't know any Japanese. I don't know how to share Jesus with them. This is probably their last and only chance to ever meet a Christian. And I... I'm just devastated about this. I'm like, God, who's going to go? Who's going to speak to them? Because it's certainly not going to be me. And God's like, well, you can go. And it was in that moment that I realized that everything that I had in my life meant nothing because those people surrounding me didn't know Jesus. That kid, he messaged me later that night, and he's like, I'm sorry everything went bad. I want to meet you one more time. And I met him one more time before I left Japan. And he's like, I'm sorry my English is so bad. I'm going to practice English. But you've given me hope, because I'm going to practice. I'm going to work really hard, and we're going to be able to speak. And he gives me this little phone card, you know, we used to have to use phone cards to make calls long distance. He gives me this little phone card and has 
Tokyo lights on it. He's like, I used to look at this because it had bright lights and it gave me hope. I don't need it anymore. I want to give it to you because I'm going to get English. I'm going to do it. You've given me hope. Didn't make sense to me. I, I did nothing for him. I, I failed. But that hope was the Holy Spirit already moving in him because when I went home, my mentor went back to Japan, met that kid and his friend who didn't speak any English because he was too shy. And they both came to know the Lord and were baptized. And when I went back to Japan full time because God changed my heart and he was serious about it, I went back to Japan full time in 2015 and I met him and his friend. They had perfect English, they knew the Lord, and they were on fire for Jesus. God hit the home run, he didn't need me. He just needed me to show up and see what he was gonna do. He needed me to be faithful to him because it wasn't by any work that I did. It was just by responding to our God who is greater than everything. And because of that, those two boys are doing great things for the kingdom. In fact, I just got messaged by Tomowaki this morning. He said, he's coming to the States and he's excited to see me and excited to use his perfect English and talk with me and hang out. God is so good. That's the God we serve. That's the testimony that we have. If we allow God to move in our lives, we have a great testimony to share with anyone and everyone. That's the kind of work that we want to continue to do in Japan. Because if God can change from not being able to speak really a word to this kid, change his life, imagine what he can do in the lives of everyone who needs to hear the gospel. If only that someone would go and share the gospel. And so that's what our ministry is about. We're, our big focus is student ministry in Japan. I was working at a university there in Japan, sharing with students on the regular, also helping what tiny churches there are in Hiroshima. But our plan isn't just Hiroshima and building the church there. Our plan is to be planting churches throughout the rural areas where there have never been a church, that the gospel may be heard by everyone, that it may be accessible to everyone, that Japan no longer is a nation shrouded in darkness, but it truly is a land of the rising sun, and that sun is Jesus as his light shines upon Japan and then uses that to be a lighthouse to all of Asia. So that's our heart, and we're calling you, church, to be part of that, to be praying, to be supporting us, to be lifting us up, because we can't do it alone. It can't just be me and her there. It needs to be a church that loves Japan, praying for us, supporting us financially, supporting us, sending teams, sending coming yourself, just, just to see the faces there, to see what God is doing there, to be part of what God is doing there. This is a team effort. God didn't call us to be lone wolf Christians. John talks about it in his, his epistle that we're to be in relationship with one another and the Lord. Heaven isn't going to be just us and God. We're all going to be there, so I hope you like your neighbor. You're supposed to. <laughs> so that's what we're calling you, church. Partner with us. I want to bring my wife up. She, has, she wants to share her testimony because she has a great testimony too. God is so good. He, he gives us the means to share to those around us. He gives us the means to be witnesses. Don't forsake that. We all have a purpose. Hi, guys. Um, thanks for having us again. I just want to say that. Thank you for having us. We really are 
blessed and honored to be here today. Um, so my testimony, well, Devin's is mostly kind of in one trip. Mine actually was over the course of my life. Um, and I really feel that God was calling me to missions from a very young age, but I didn't realize it um, until much later. But I remember back, I was like nine years old. I was very young. And God really sparked an interest in Japan for me. I, as a child, watched a lot of home renovation, home decorating shows. And surprisingly enough, sometimes they did Asian-inspired designs. And from there, I kind of became interested in the Japanese culture. Just that small little interest grew into something so big. And I really believe that God used that moment for me as a child to really bring me um, to Japan. So fast forward a few years, I was still interested in Japanese Asian culture. Um, and I found out that there was a local high school that was actually offering Japanese classes. And that's actually how I chose to go to that high school, was because they were offering Japanese. And I was like, wow, that would be really interesting to study. And I think God knew that he was going to use that later. I didn't know that then. I just studied it because I was interested. And come to find out, that was actually the first year that that school ever offered Japanese lessons as well. So I studied for about four years, loved it. I wanted to go to Japan so badly, um, never worked out. School trips fell through, it was expensive, just didn't work out. And I believe that that was really God's timing, um, that he allowed that to fall through, actually. So fast forward now to college. I still had a passion for Japan. Uh, I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do with it. I went to school um, for English, so my university did not offer Japanese at that time, and they still don't, <laughs> but I went there, studied English, loved it, and I found out that they were having mission trips because I went to a private Christian university. And I was like, I wonder if they'd have a mission trip to Japan. And as Devin was saying, Japan is often overlooked don't often hear about a lot of mission trips there, but I looked anyway, and turns out there was a mission trip to Japan, and I was so surprised, but I was so excited. I was like, okay, this is my chance to go to Japan. I really want to um, go, but I can also go for a purpose, not just for tourist reasons. And so I signed up, and I was accepted, and I was so excited, and I found out that actually this was the first and only year that my university ever had a mission trip to Japan. So I really believe that God worked out that timing for other trips, um, for my selfish reasons to fall through in the past to bring me to a missions trip that exact year that that happened. So I went, I was so excited to use my Japanese, I had all these years of studying, I was ready. Um, and I went and this trip was really an introduction uh, to Japan and Christianity in Japan. I had heard and I knew that there wasn't a lot of um, Christians in Japan. I knew it was pretty low. But I really got to see how churches the, that are in Hiroshima, there are a few there. I really got to see how they were run, how small they were, um, and got to meet students there who had never heard the gospel. They had never had the chance. And so I really got to be introduced to that. And this first trip is where Devin and I met. Um, we weren't dating or anything at that time, but this is how we met, because he was already living there. Um, and then I was with my team. And so our, like my short-term team was working with his long-term team. And I've always really had a passion for student ministry as well. And so I was like, this is an awesome mission trip. I can really see this. So I came back home, and I didn't forget about Japan. I still felt very called in a certain way. I just didn't know how. I was like, well, maybe I'll run some short-term mission trips to Japan, too. I really didn't know how Japan was going to fit into my future. Um, but I went back a second time. And this time, I just went with a friend that I had went with previously. And through that, because we weren't with a whole team, it was just the two of us, we really got to know 
a core group of girls, students at the university that we had volunteered at there really well. We got to be in their lives almost daily for about a month. We got to invite them to church, um, have meals with them, just really engage with them. And it was wonderful because we really got to form a good deep friendship. And that's really necessary in Japan to form that trust and that relationship and that friendship um, before you can kind of begin to share the gospel or little pieces of your testimony with them. So we really got to build that foundation, which was really awesome. Um, and I really felt called to full-time missions in Japan at this point because I realized that not many people have had the opportunity to study Japanese for as long as I had. And not many people had that interest. And I had both. I had the ability, I had the interest. And so I thought, well, I feel led and called by God to use this. Um, I have these abilities and I need to use them for God's glory, not just my own interests and my own purposes. Um, but I need to use them to reach the Japanese people. Because as Devin said, not many people are going. And who am I to tell God that he placed this interest in my life and these abilities, he gave me these opportunities throughout my life to learn Japanese. Who am I to tell him, no, I'm not going to use that? No, I, I feel that God gave me those opportunities for this purpose. He was using my whole life, building up all those opportunities to be able to go to Japan and feel called to missions to full-time student ministry there. Um, so on our second trip, after feeling my personal call to Japan as well, um, Devin and I started dating at this point because we both felt really called towards student ministry in Japan. So after that, we, I came home, and this is when he came to the States so that we could get married, which brings us here um, to our support raising, just because we've gotten married, so we do need a little bit of extra support. So. Currently, um, we're really anxious to get back to Japan because it has been sev several years since we've been there at this point, and all those girls that I met that I became really close friends with, um, we do still talk. I just talked to them, a few of them the other day. They're graduated now, which is really awesome. Um, but we're anxious to get back and get back in their lives because we want to be with them consistently, like on a regular basis and seeing them and have the opportunity, not just over you know, FaceTime or Skype or messaging, things like that. We want to be with them there personally. Um, so in order to do that, we do need some more financial support. So we're at about 50, 60% right now, um, which is really great. We're so thankful for that. Um, we do need the rest of our support, and this is where we're asking for your help. Um, we would love to have you guys partner with us, like Devin mentioned, definitely prayerfully. We need the prayer. We need to be praying for Japan, for us, um, for the churches that are already there, the few that there are. Um, but we do need that financial support. So our prayer um, that we're praying for is that we have 30 churches that are supporting us at $100 a month. Uh, so this is kind of our ask. Um, and if we would also be really thankful to have individual supporters as well, this can be something like $50 a month, even $25, even $10 a month. Any amount that you're able to give, if you feel led and called in that way, um, would be very helpful because your money doesn't just stop with us. It's not like, oh, here's your $10, cool. No, just $10 can even go towards taking a student out for coffee and sharing the gospel with them. $10 could be a meal where you're inviting that student to church. $10 could be transportation um, to get on the tram to go to the university where you're going to meet a new student who then you can form a relationship with. And so that money really does go a long way. So we just ask that you might prayerfully consider partnering with us as a whole, as a church, or individually as well. 
And we're just really thankful for you guys for opening up your church with us today and having us here, so. Yeah, we're just so grateful to be able to speak with you, to be able to share our heart. And we really, we're really hopeful that you will have a heart for Japan. Even if you don't like us, send us out the door, at least be praying for Japan. Like, they need the gospel. They, they really need Jesus. It's truly a nation gripped by darkness, but we worship a God who's calling us to live in the light, and we want to see Japan live in the light, too. So thank you so much for your time. We just want to close in prayer, and so please bow your heads. Father, we're so grateful that you have met everyone here, that you have given every single person here a great and powerful testimony because of your great and powerful testimony, Lord, your faithfulness to us, your faithfulness to want to bring us, to restore us to relationship with you is so great, Lord, and we're so thankful that your testimony is through Jesus Christ, who died and was raised again, that we may know you, Lord. So God, we pray for each one here that you truly speak to their hearts, that you truly move in their hearts, raise them up to use their testimony to reach all those around them. God, there are so many lost in our lives, and Lord, if we would count the cost, if we would count the cost that was paid by you, how easy it is then for us to go boldly before our friends, our family, our coworkers, even strangers in the street, to share this powerful message that we have, and that is the truth of the gospel, that is Jesus Christ, Lord. So I pray for everyone here that you would give us the courage, the boldness to utilize our testimony, to go forth and boldly proclaim the gospel, Lord. God, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the wisdom and discernment that we may all be good stewards of your good news, God. And we're so grateful that we could share about what you're doing in Japan, Lord. And we know that you are breaking barriers, you are crumbling fortresses, and you are dispatching the enemy, that your work may be done in Japan, that Japan may be a place that knows the name of Jesus, that it becomes part of your kingdom and glorifies your name because, Lord, you are worthy of all our praise, of all glory, God. So, Lord, we lift it up to you this morning, and we praise your name, and we thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Ordinance Church. The Pine Level Pentecostal Ordinance Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You can watch our services live or on demand. 
Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots of other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime. And listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.